Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And yes, next Saturday is that day. So remember to set your clocks back an hour when you go to bed. And then when you wake up on Sunday morning, you'll be at the right, at the right place at the right time if you're showing up here at church. Now, uh, today as we begin, let me ask you a question. How many of you can identify with this? Uh, you were younger, you were told something, taught something, you believed that thing for years. And then as you became an adult, you found out that what you were taught or told wasn't necessarily true. Like Most of us should be able to raise our hands on that one. And I'm going to dodge a few of the obvious subjects because we might have little ears here, so I'll, I will dodge Christmas and Easter. Um, but let me, let me uh, tell you uh, this scenario. This is one of the things that I was told when I was growing up, that I had to wait at least 30 minutes after eating before swimming. Like anybody told that? Yeah, like, I guess my mom or our parents thought that we were going to, you know, get a stomach cramp and drown after eating, and apparently that's not true. So I found out a few years ago, and, and I was so sad. I thought about all the time that I missed swimming because I had to wait. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, do I let my kids swim right after they eat? No, of course not. Why would I? No, I don't do that because... I can still hear my mom saying, you got to wait 30 minutes. And so my kids have to wait after they eat. Here's another one. How many of you were told that if you swallowed gum, it would stay undigested in your stomach for seven years? Okay, apparently a lot of us have been lied to because that is not true either. Apparently our, our stomachs have a little difficulty digesting the gum, but guess what? The gum just passes through, just like anything else that we eat passes through. Don't you just feel robbed of all the gum you could have swallowed? <laughs> now, do I let my kids swallow gum? No. I don't let my kids swallow gum. I mean, it just sounds like it'll take seven years to digest. So, so no, I don't let my kids swallow gum. Now, let me try to tie that into what we're going to talk about today. And some of you are very curious of how I can do that. So today, we're going to talk about some things that have been uh, very confusing in the Christian world for a long time. We're going to talk about a couple of subjects that actually kind of fit in the category of something we've been taught, but may not necessarily be true. We're going to talk today about baptism, and we're going to talk today about salvation, what the Bible really teaches about those two incredibly important subjects and what God wants us to know, what God wants us to do as a result of those subjects. And I got to warn you, a few of us might have this, this experience of mentally disagreeing with what we hear today. You might mentally disagree and hear, hear something and say, well, I, I didn't believe that growing up. I was never taught that. Like, that's not what I understood. And so what I ask for all of us to do is to have an open mind for what God wants to say to us through his scripture and what God wants us to know about these two very important things. And have an open mind and understand that just maybe we've got some relearning to do when it comes to baptism and it comes to salvation. So I'm gonna ask, let's all pray together and then we'll start with baptism. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have of gathering as a church family here. And Lord, the privilege that we have to look in your written word. I thank you for capturing your thoughts in print for us so that we can know what you want us to know about important subjects like baptism 
and salvation. So Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, when it comes to baptism, there are several different beliefs that we grew up being taught. Um, For instance, some people believe it's very important to baptize infants. That's incredibly important. Other people believe that's not important. So which is biblically accurate? Other people believe how someone is baptized is critically important. Like, like, do we sprinkle? Do we pour water over someone's head? Do we hold somebody underwater? You know, this full immersion thing? Like, is there a right way to do baptism uh, or a wrong way to do baptism? What does the Bible have to say about that? There are some people believe, some people teach, some people have been taught that baptism is a requirement for salvation. Baptism is a requirement to get into heaven. So is, is that true? Is, is that an important thing? What does the Bible have to say about that? If you didn't grow up around this, if, if you didn't grow up around Christianity, you didn't grow up around the church in any context, maybe you're, you're thinking like, who cares? You know, it's just a bunch of people getting wet. I mean, what, what's it matter? What's it mean anyway? Well, hopefully after today, you'll understand why baptism and salvation is so incredibly important for all of us, so incredibly important for, for Christ followers. So hopefully uh, I'll make that clear today. Now to start with, we're gonna look at the great commission or the great mission that God has given all of us as his followers. So we're gonna start in Matthew chapter 28 with the last words of Jesus. So Jesus gathered his disciples together after his death, burial, and resurrection. So before leaving planet earth and going back to heaven, he gathered them for his final words. So these are very important words that Jesus is about to speak. So Jesus said in verse 18, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So we've got Jesus, God in the flesh, in that moment, speaking to his disciples, and he's still speaking today. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, this command still applies to you and me. And he says, go, go everywhere, telling everyone about Jesus with your life and your words, and then follow that up by baptizing them. So as a church, as Christ followers, we should all be involved in making disciples and baptizing those disciples and teaching those disciples how to obey the commands of God, something that God wants all of us to do. But what does it mean? To understand that, we've got to go back a little bit in time. We've got to go back to around 26 AD. Okay, so so hang with me for a minute. So around 26 AD, there was this guy by the name of John who went around preparing the way for Jesus. It was actually Jesus' cousin. So he went around telling everybody, listen, the Messiah is coming. And here's what you need to do. You need to repent of your sins, and you need to turn to God for forgiveness, and you need to be baptized to demonstrate that. It says that in Luke chapter 3, verse 3. So you need to turn to God for forgiveness, you need to repent of your sins, and you need to be baptized to demonstrate what has happened. So as people would respond to John's message, they would come to John, and he would take them to the Jordan River and baptize them in the Jordan River. There's a picture of the Jordan River there on the screens, and that's the river that John would baptize people in. Um, There's a number of us that are going to be going to Israel 
in January. So if you would like to go with us, please let me know after the service. There's still some room available for that. Now, the word baptism, the word baptize, is a transliteration of the Greek word baptizo. Now, let me explain what that means. So instead of translating that word baptizo into an English word that we would understand or an English phrase that we would understand, uh, the English translators gave us a new word. They just captured a new word for us. And I think that explains a little bit why there's some confusion around the word baptism. So the Greek word baptizo means to submerge, to immerse, to dunk, or to wash. So it was the word used to describe a ship that had sunk. It was the word used to describe someone who had drowned. It was the the word used to describe fabric that was being dyed a different color. So they would take the fabric, they would hold the fabric underwater, and then that fabric would transform into a new color under that dye. So when people would come to John in response to his message that the Messiah is coming, you need to turn to God, you need to repent of your sins, then he would take them down to the Jordan River and he would baptize them. He would fully immerse them underwater. So he got the nickname John the Baptist or John the Dunker or John the Washer or John the Submerger, whatever you want to call him. So he was that kind of crazy guy down there by the river taking people underwater with this baptism. And then the craziest thing happened. One day, the Messiah came to him. So this is the guy that John's telling everybody about. Jesus, his cousin, walked up to John and said, John, I need to be baptized. And John said, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should baptize me. And Jesus insisted that it happened. So John had the privilege of baptizing our Messiah. Listen to how that's recorded in Mark chapter one, verse 10. It says, as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. So even Jesus at his baptism was fully immersed underwater And that brought God the Father great joy. Now, what does baptism mean from God's perspective? So let's look in the Bible to get our answer for that. Romans chapter 6 gives us our answer. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. It says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So baptism is symbolic of our identification with Christ. So when we go underwater, when we go under that experience of going underwater in baptism, we are symbolically identifying ourselves with Christ's death. So that is kind of like our death, where we say, you know, I'm dying to my old life. My sins are being washed symbolically in this moment. And then when we come out of the water, it's symbolic of Christ's resurrection, 
We're coming up out of the water in a new relationship with Christ. So it's like saying, you know, my, my old life is gone. Like that's, I'm a, I was a dead person in that moment and now I'm alive in Christ. I have this new life and a new mission to live on. So again, it's symbolic, baptism. is symbolic of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and our identification with him. And I think when we follow Jesus in baptism, I think we bring God the Father great joy. Now, let's go back to Jesus' final words. Okay, so back in Matthew 28, his final words, Jesus said, go make disciples and baptize them. Now, there is an order to that. One happens before the other. Okay, so there's a decision that needs to be made for someone to become a follower of Jesus. That happens before baptism. Baptism doesn't happen before that. Baptism doesn't lead to salvation. Salvation leads to baptism. Okay, so why this is so important is God does not want anybody confused on this. God doesn't want anybody thinking, well, because I was, I was baptized as a baby or I was baptized as an adult, didn't really understand what it meant, then that means I'm, I'm gonna go to heaven when I die. That's not how it works. And we could all go out here today in this mucky pond and all be baptized. It would do nothing for us, do nothing. If we hadn't put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, all right? They are closely connected, but baptism and salvation are two separate things. Salvation leads to baptism, not the other way around. So let me try to explain it this way. In December, my wife and I will be married 22 years. And that is a major accomplishment for my wife. So if you know me, to stay with me that long, that's a big deal. She deserves a, a big award or something. All right, so on December 18th, 1993, my wife and I gathered with our family and friends, and we made a decision publicly before God and everyone else that we were gonna unite our hearts and our lives together until death do us part. And then after we made that decision, we put on wedding rings. We put on wedding bands to symbolize the decision that we had made. Now, these rings don't make us married. We could, could have slipped those on after we got them and walked around looking like we were married, but that didn't make us married. These rings don't make us married. You know, if, you're, if you're single, you know, maybe you wished it would. You know, maybe you'd go buy one of these and put it on, and man, magically, you get the woman of your dreams or the guy of your dreams. Wouldn't that be great? This doesn't work that way. And if you're married, taking your ring off doesn't make you not married. Okay, just wanted to be clear about that one. Doesn't make you unmarried. So again, the decision that my wife and I made is the thing that makes us married. The ring is a symbol of the decision that we've made. So when it comes to baptism, baptism is the symbol of the decision we've made to follow Jesus. That's salvation. Salvation comes before baptism. Now, in Jesus' day, baptism and salvation were so closely connected. So when someone heard uh, Jesus' message that they needed to turn from their sins and turn to God and be baptized. When they heard that, uh, if they believed that, if they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, there was a natural response of, I, I wanna be baptized to demonstrate the decision that I've made. So if someone said, you know, like I believe in Jesus, but I don't wanna be baptized, that made no sense in Jesus' day. Uh, people around would say, well, then you don't really believe in Jesus. 
Like if you believed in Jesus, that he's the Messiah and you need to to follow him and you've made a decision for him, then you would naturally follow that up by being baptized. So that statement is similar to uh, how women talk to me today. Every once in a while I'll hear a woman come up and say, hey, um, I'm in this relationship with this guy. We're really committed to each other, but he doesn't want to get married. And here's what I think. He's not all that committed to you if he doesn't want to marry you. But marriage is the next natural step out of, a, out of a loving relationship. Just like baptism is the next natural step after salvation, after a decision that we've made to follow Jesus, the next natural step is baptism. So guys, sorry, if you're dating and haven't you know, crossed that line yet, I apologize. I didn't mean to get anybody in trouble this morning. Now, let's look at how we become followers of Jesus. This is, is critical. How do you get saved? How do you become a follower of Jesus? So this is captured in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. So Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the salvation part. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how do you become a follower of Jesus? You confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's what it means to become a follower of Jesus. And that is open to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Doesn't matter how bad of a person you think you are. Doesn't matter how much of the Bible you think you know or don't know. None of that matters. All that matters is that you believe that Jesus died so you can live. That's the most important thing. Now that verse explains why we don't do infant baptisms here at Epic. Infants can't confess with their mouth. Infants can't decide in their heart. They're too young for that. And that's a critical step in in the process of becoming a follower of Jesus. No one else can make that decision for us. You know, I I wish that we could. I would make that for my kids. My my kids have all made their own decisions, but I would have made that for them earlier. I would make that decision for many of you if I could, but I can't. You have to make that decision yourself. You have to get to the spot where you say, you know what, I believe this. I believe this for myself. Now, how old is, is that? I'm not really sure. I was five when I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'll never forget that day. I was sitting in our apartment in Michigan. And I was in the kitchen at the kitchen table. My mom was at the sink doing dishes. I looked over and I said, Mom, what does it mean to be saved? And I'd heard that. My parents had raised me in Christianity, raised me around the church, it taught me the Bible. And I didn't understand what that meant. So I asked, what does it mean to be saved? And so she got her Bible out and she explained that Jesus died so I can live. That because of Jesus, I could spend eternity in heaven. And at five, I thought that was the best deal ever. I thought, wow, you gotta be kidding me. Jesus did that for me? So I put my faith and trust in Jesus at the age of five. So when is that for everybody? I'm not exactly sure. Jesus said we've got to come to him with the faith of a child. You don't have to have a seminary degree to to understand what Jesus did for you. You just have to believe that Jesus died 
so you can live. That's what it takes to become a follower of Jesus. Now, here's another question that people often ask. Do we have to be baptized to go to heaven? The answer is no, okay? So I wanna take you to Jesus' death. So as he's dying on the cross, so Jesus hung there next to two criminals. They deserved to die. He didn't, okay? He was innocent. They weren't. One criminal on the cross next to Jesus mocked him, made fun of him. The other criminal didn't. He understood that this was the Messiah. And he said, Jesus, today, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? Okay, so get the scene. So Jesus looks over at him and says, I'm sorry, but you haven't been baptized. In the first service, I did this horrible thing, and I had this Nacho Libre accent, and it was terrible. You know, it was kind of sacrilegious, so I decided not to do that in a second, okay? All right, so Jesus didn't say that. He looked at this guy, and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. So get this. The guy couldn't get down and go get baptized. It wasn't possible. So he hung there on the cross, and he made a decision as he looked at Jesus. I mean, moments before death, he looks at Jesus, and he says, you're the Messiah. I believe in you. And that day when he passed, he started eternity with the creator of the universe. So genuine belief in Jesus should prompt us to be baptized. But baptism is not a requirement for us to get to heaven. Now here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to give you the opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, today is the day of salvation. So today could be the day for some of you. The day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, and you say, you know what? I believe that, and I'm going to receive that as my free gift. So I'm going to guide you through what I call the ABC prayer of salvation, just a simple prayer. And every time I guide somebody through this, I, I want them to know something. This isn't the secret code. These, these aren't the magic words. You say these words, and it could mean nothing for you. Or you say these words with sincerity in your heart and a decision that you've made, and these words could mean everything for you for all of eternity. So here's the concept. Uh, here's the three parts of the ABC prayer of salvation. So the first part, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That is critical. If we can't admit we're sinners, then why would we need Jesus? He came as a savior. He came to die so that we can live. If we don't admit that we need that, then we'd say, well, I don't need Jesus. I mean, I can get there on my own. We can't. It's not possible. So we have to say, I'm a sinner. I've done something wrong. Whether big or small, I've done wrong things that hurt my relationship with God. Thus, I need a savior. The second part, I believe Jesus is that savior and he died so I can live. Now, why is it so important that it hinges on Jesus? Again, listen, Everything in Christianity hinges on Jesus. It's all about him. Acts 4.12 says, there's been given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's all about the work of Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. So we have to believe. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died so I can live. Last part is I commit to follow you the rest of my life. Like I commit, like I'm now a Christ follower. I asked you to come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, and I'm making a decision. I'm now following you. I'm one of your followers, and I ask you to guide me 
on this journey. So that, that's it. it it's, it's really a simple prayer, but it, it is a profound concept that we can enter a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through this prayer again. I'm going to ask us in a minute, I'm going to ask us to all bow our heads and close our eyes, and I'm going to guide us through this prayer. And if you would like to pray this prayer for the first time and put your faith and trust in Jesus, I encourage you to pray it quietly in your heart to God. So let's all bow our heads together and pray this. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe Jesus is that savior and died so I can live. And I commit to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me just say a couple of things. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time today, you have just made the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. And that decision will not only benefit you from today, but it'll benefit you for all of eternity. You've just become a follower of Jesus. And now the next thing for you to do is to be baptized. Follow that up. Again, the symbol is baptism. The decision is salvation. So I encourage you to follow that up with being baptized. And so the great thing is today we are having a baptism today in about 10 minutes or so. So if, if you understand what I taught this morning, if you understand what scripture teaches us, that salvation is a personal decision that we make to follow Jesus and baptism is the symbol that follows up that decision, if you understand that, then I would encourage you to get baptized today. Some of you are probably thinking, I didn't come prepared to get baptized. That's okay. We came prepared for you. We actually have shorts and t-shirts and towels and combs for those of you, you know, that have to do all that kind of stuff after your hair gets wet. So we are prepared for you to get baptized today. Let me just tell you what happened in the first service. We had two people already signed up for baptism and four people spontaneously said, I'm doing it. Today's the day. So we already know that we have two um, that are doing a rededication today. So if, if you are in that spot where today you made that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I encourage you to be baptized. If you have made that decision before in your life, but you've never followed that up with baptism, then I encourage you to be baptized today. So um, here's how we're going to do that. On your seat, there should be a little card, a little baptism card, Okay. It's got a, uh, it says baptism, water baptism, and there should be a pen close by. And if that's you, if you're in that spot, what I encourage you to do is fill that out. Flip it over and fill that out on the backside. And in a moment, we're going to have our worship team come up. They're going to guide us in a closing song. And as they do that, I'm going to tell you at that moment to get up out of your seats and to go to this back table over here. We've got Tim at the back waving at everybody. So we've got a table by the tech table. Just stop by there and let them know you would like to be baptized today. And they'll get you all the information you need to know, get you the clothes that you need, and get you started on that while we all transition and get ready for that. Now, while people are doing that, let me explain a couple other things. Every once in a while I get asked, hey, I was baptized as an infant or I was baptized before I understood what it really meant. So what should I do? Should I be baptized again? And my answer is yes. Again, based upon what scripture teaches, baptism is followed up after a decision. When we are old enough to understand 
what baptism means, what salvation means. When we understand what Jesus did for us. So I'd encourage you, if you're in that context and, and if you're wondering, should I get baptized again? I would say yes, that, that, that you should. Now, some people ask about kids. You know, what about kids? You know, can my kids get baptized? Here's what I'm gonna ask you today for our kids. I'm gonna ask for no kids to be spontaneously baptized today. So please don't sign your kid up and then uh, hope that they'll get baptized today. And here's why. I don't want any kid confused about this. I don't want any kid thinking, well, I'm going to heaven because I was baptized. And sometimes we get that backwards. Sometimes we think baptism is that thing that leads us to heaven. That's not what it is. So I want to make sure that kids understand the difference between salvation and baptism. We actually have a packet that we encourage families to work through with their kids. So if you think, hey, I think my kid understands that. I think my kid is ready for this. Sign them up for our next baptism, which will be on Easter next year, just a few months away. Get the packet and guide your kids through that and, and make sure that they understand the difference between salvation and baptism. Then if you have any other questions about baptism, Tim will be available in the back to answer any questions that you might have. So here's what we're gonna do. In a minute, I'm gonna pray and our worship team's gonna come out and uh, we're gonna sing this final song. And that is kind of the cue. As we start singing, if you're in that spot and you're like, ah, I need to do this, that's the moment to get up Go to the back and they'll tell you what to do. Take your card back there. They'll get your information and they'll tell you what to do in that moment. And then after this song, um, we will all go out together and we will celebrate baptism with those who are being baptized. Now, if you have kids in our children's ministry, I ask you to just leave them where they are right now. That'll make things a little bit easier for our volunteers. Just come out, celebrate the baptism, and then you can go get your kids. So let's pray together. Lord, I'm, I'm so grateful for the clarity of Scripture. Lord, there are many things that we grow up learning, being told, being taught, that aren't exactly what you say in your written word. And so, Lord, it's very important for us to understand what you say, especially about subjects like salvation and baptism. And it's so critical for us to understand the difference between those two things, what they really mean. So Lord, thank you for that today. And Lord, I just pray for those who may have put their faith and trust in you today. Lord, I'm so excited for them. And Lord, I pray that, that they would take that next step towards baptism. They would take that next step of boldly following you and, and learning how to become one of your followers. So Lord, thank you for the six people in the first service who were baptized today to proclaim that they had put their faith and trust in you. And uh, Lord, we know right now we have two that are signed up for rededication. We're not sure who else might uh, wanna follow in your footsteps, Jesus. But Lord, whether it's just the two that we have or you, you want more to do that, Lord, we are grateful for how you love us and how you guide us and how you teach us to be your followers. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. I'm gonna ask all of you to please stand as our worship team closes us out today. So if you did not get a chance to try out Knockerball last week, uh, Cody and Brian gave you a little shot of what that felt like. Um, last week was 3G Sunday. 310 of you came out last week to help us do 15 projects. And you guys can clap for that. That was a fantastic thing. You guys helped us knock out 15 different projects in our community. Thank you so much for coming out, showing Flagler County that we love them, that you guys love them, that God is for them. It was a fantastic day. Now, next week, 
We're going to take a little time to actually celebrate what went on. So next week is our 3G Sunday celebration. Make sure you come back out because we're going to talk about what happened, talk about why we do what we do, and just spend a little time enjoying what went on that day. So thank you so much for that. Now, if all of that looks a little weird, you're not sure what's going on, and you're new with us, we would love a chance to tell you a little bit about why we do things like 3G Sunday. So if you could... If you're a guest, if you're new, if it's your first time, stop by the Connection Center on your way out today. We would love a chance to say hi to you, to tell you a little bit about who we are and what we're about here at Epic. Now, part of 3G Sunday was our giving challenge. And what we were challenged to do was to give $25 per person, per adult out here. So that would give us the chance to raise $7,500 to give to some of our partners um, that we work with every year at 3G Sunday. So you still have a chance to give. Today is the final day. So if you brought your envelope, make sure you bring it to the back and put it in one of the giving boxes there. Make sure you mark it as 3G or use one of the giving um, envelopes, the orange ones that are in the back. Now we know where that money is going to. And if you didn't bring it with you, you left it at home and sitting on your table, that's okay. You can still go online and give through the end of today. So make sure you do that. We want to make sure we get as much as possible back to our partners and we're able to support them and just show them how much God wants to do in our community. You can also give normally like you would uh, any other Sunday using our normal areas in the giving boxes or online. So if you're an attender with us, please feel free to do that as well. Now, uh, Christmas is much closer than I care to think about right now. Every year at Christmas, we try to make sure that we reach into our community in a different way. And so we do our giving tree every year. And what we're doing is we're trying to make sure that families who aren't able to provide some gifts for their kids have the opportunity to do that. So what we do is we set up a Christmas tree in the back every year. We put some cards telling you what we need and how we need to support those families. And then we all take them home. We go buy those gifts and we bring them back. But the first thing we need are referrals. If you know a family who needs some help this Christmas and is in our community, they're a friend of yours, they're part of this church, but they're in this community, please go online, theepicchurch.com, fill out the referral form. You'll see it on the front page and also on the sign-up tab. Let us know who needs help so that we can begin putting together the cards and then we can go out and support those families. So we're really excited about that. It's one of the best parts of the Christmas for us. So thank you so much for joining us in that. Now, we have one more announcement this morning, but I can't do it justice, so I'm going to let this video take care of it, and then Trent will be right out. 